Oh, hey, y'all. You've heard me brag for a while now about how I, a person who used to be scared to use my own oven, learned how to cook like a real live adult during lockdown, and now I am as good as that guy on the bear. Now, this is all true. Uh, here's the thing, though. Even though I am now an amazing chef, it takes me a very long time to cook. It is not something that comes naturally to me. And lately, my life has gotten way, way, way more busy, and I do not have the time to devote to cooking like I used to. That is why I am so deeply excited about the pod's new sponsor. They came along exactly when I needed them. I am talking about Factor. Let me tell you a little bit about Factor. Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. You will have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie-smart, vegan and veggie, and more. And... There's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. Y'all, do you understand how amazing it is to have a microwave meal that that tastes like I spent hours cooking it, but it comes pre-prepared? One of my favorites that Factor sent me was roasted garlic butter salmon with celery root cauliflower mash and Parmesan broccoli, and it just came like that. I didn't have to cook it. Y'all, what are you waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. Here are some facts. Factor, they make two-minute meals. Fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. They also do snacks, smoothies, and more. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Sign up and save, y'all. Factor has done the math. They are less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian-approved to be nutritious and delicious, Factor is the perfect solution if you are looking for fast, upscale options done easily. They're also flexible for your schedule. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. We are talking no prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat, so there is no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. What more do you need to hear, y'all? Head to factormeals.com slash comingoutpod50 and use code comingoutpod50 to get 50% off. That's code comingoutpod50 at factormeals.com slash comingoutpod50. Get 50% off! Bye. Hi, everybody. Oh, hey, y'all. Hello. Welcome to Coming Out with Lauren and Nicole. Folks, we are a weekly podcast where we have on queer folks from all walks of life. We tell... Mm, they tell us the tales of how they came out to friends, family, and the world at large. Because who doesn't love a coming out story? 
It's always nice when almost five years into a podcast, you just screw up the intro mm -hmm. that you say every week. I think that that's I a did good... it with the outro last week. Look at that. Listen, fine. we're it's learning fine. and growing even now. Um, so we OK. Now, some of you listening, in fact, maybe most of you listening might not know, but we are right smack in the middle of a romantic spectrum awareness week. Uh, and the reason why I know this is because our guest today uh, reached out months ago to give us a heads up. And that guest is Stella. Hello, Stella. Hi. Hey, Stella. <laughs> Hi. We're so excited to have you here. Yeah. This is exciting for multiple reasons because also, so Stella uh, is a med student in Australia. So mm -hmm. this is, yeah, we are, we're in different days. We're, we're recording on one day. Stella's already a day ahead of us. Stella's going to be a doctor. Future. Yeah. Stella's from the future. <laughs> She's giving us stock tips. We're going to play the market as soon as we finish recording. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Not to mention that Stella also came straight from yeah. um, uh, studying a cadaver. You Is said that, there was something uh, with cadavers. Uh, we, we, we had a lab this morning. So we have like slides, microscopes, like donor bodies that we're super grateful <gasps> for to get to like see oh, actual anatomy on. And yeah, so I had that this morning and I had lecture before that. So I'm already like nice. done the next day and you're of Tuesday and you're still in Monday. And by the way, because I was literally, I was going to mention it on this week's pod regardless, but this is oh, okay, too perfect right now, mm. um, given that we have a guest on who is currently in Australia. Over the weekend, I saw a queer coming of age film out of Australia <gasps> that I like cannot recommend highly enough, y'all. It's called, it's what literally it? called Of an Age, which is a great title anyway, mm. um, but it's called Of an Age, and it is about these two guys um, but like, oh, who are in Australia in, in it's 1999. So it's like a real throwback. It's like very, for me, I, I have like all of the yet. feels. I, oh my God. Oh <laughs> my, I'm, I just baby. withered and died right here. I'm the cadaver baby. in the future that you're <laughs> Stella will study your insides and learn how to be oh, a better doctor. Anyway, I was alive. <laughs> and if you'd like to know how it was to be a teenager back then in Australia, you should watch this movie. But like, it truly was okay. for everybody out there. It was such a That's beautifully so cool. done film about like the first, the first. And, mm. um, and it takes place almost entirely in 24 hours um oh, so those are my it, favorite yeah. kind of anyway, movies highly recommend of an age out of australia there okay. we go yeah, okay oh, thank you nicole um, well yeah, just saying okay so i know we talked about it like five minutes ago and then we got <laughs> distracted but Dude. so stella let us know on instagram uh that a romantic spectrum awareness week uh was coming up and we were like this this seems like a good time uh, to, you know, talk about, we've talked about aromanticism before, mm -hmm. but uh, not during its actual week. Um, and Stella was down to come on the podcast. And so that's what's happening right now. And I know I just, I kind of, I kind of gave it away, but yeah, to get things rolling, Stella, how do you identify? <laughs> so yeah, I identify as both aromantic and asexual, and I also sometimes get done with labels and just say, I'm queer. Um, Beautiful. But yeah, yeah so, um, 
yeah, that's basically it. I know a lot of people in the aromantic community um, feel comfort in finding more particular micro labels. I think mm. I'm the opposite. I'm like, yeah. I could probably go spend like 10 hours down Google, like figuring other terms that like describe my experiences, but that's not my jam. So I just leave it there. I'm Total respect. It. Yeah. I love that. Yes. I, I'm really excited to talk about this because mm-hmm. I, this is also apropos because um there's been i've been doing a lot of thinking and and talking with my partners lately about like what expectations are around being in long-term relationships and being quote unquote in love because first of all it's such like an amorphous term and then secondly um i think I personally think it and has been my experience that being in long-term relationships, even as somebody who doesn't, who who has, you know, romantic feelings at times, I'm not always in love with my partners. I don't always feel romantic <laughs> feelings for my partners. Yeah. In fact, like there are times where it feels very much more like this is my best friend. This is my co-parent. This is my domestic, you know, partner, this person I live with, you know, like who I know really, they're my family. Um, but I wouldn't say the romantic feels are there. And so like, I just am yeah. so fascinated by the ways in which we all define romance, because mm-hmm. I think like, we're all just sort of grasping at a feeling that is very difficult to define. And I think feels differently for everybody and also isn't felt by all. So I, I just am fascinated by this whole topic. I'm so grateful for you being here. So I'm looking yeah. forward to and I, I promise you, I have no better grasp than anyone else. Like, uh, I think for, yeah. for me, a lot of it has been like listening to other people who do explain like what those feelings are like and being yeah. like, that's a thing. Mm. Yeah, no, not for me. Um, that's so, I so think, relatable. Like, really yeah. Be- yeah. Um, I, I think it's really hard sometimes to like um, know what it feels like beyond just like an absence but like I also um also one of my online friends like who's aromantic too like I sort of described to her that sometimes I'm like the opposite like I do feel like falling in love describes how like I sometimes feel about like new friends that I make or something Mm -hmm. but it's still not romantic but it's Mm -hmm. still that like feeling just in my own ways and that's why sometimes I feel like like just using the queer label fits more because my I tried to explain it to somebody else so like my it feels like I'm on an entirely different like wavelength of interpreting the world and like feelings and like connections and things because like um I like a lot okay this is a, a weird analogy but sometimes like I find Australia has the same words, but sometimes different meanings from what they mean in Canada. And sometimes like, I I find that like with me, like if I say like, oh, I'm like having this, I feel like I'm falling in love with my friends, but it's not romantic, but that language still like works for me. It just doesn't mean anything of what it means to like the other 99% of the world. Totally, yeah. So from that perspective, it's like... Uh, yeah so um and also like as I was saying a lot of it is just like other people have been saying I've been getting xyz feelings since I was like six and then I was sitting in a cafeteria at you know, like my undergrad at age what was I like 
19, I guess, before the pandemic happened. And I was 19. And they're like, yeah, I've been having crushes and explaining what that means. Like, I've been feeling this since age six. And I'm like, oh, I'm 19. That's never even like crossed mm. to cross my mind. Like, so just yeah. like, yeah, just a weird thing of like, I conceptualize it as like, I definitely know that what the majority of people describe their experience as like is not my experience at uh -huh. all. And I sort of have like, it's like, it is not that a lot of the regular language doesn't fit me. It just like, is like, I use the language in a completely different way. Just like yep. I know this here, like that was the perfect analogy that like the same words exist, but like the different cultures mean them in totally different ways. And yeah. Oh my God. Sure. Like, and in a kind like, of a, oh. in a way, we're all doing that. Like it's not as noticeable all the time, but say. that's why yeah. we say frequently on the podcast, like if it's super important to you, like that you know very specific things about the person you're dating or whomever it is, make sure you ask follow up questions because their words for you know X Y Z or X Y Z, which I love, uh, might not be the same as yours. So we're always telling people, like to a degree, we're all doing what you're describing but it is so much more pronounced sometimes yeah, yeah. yeah and like I know just like even talking with other like online aromantic friends I've made like through our uh, I guess like our advocacy or whatever mm -hmm. Instagram pages like uh you could tell like three different people will think of the exact same thing like like under different like oh this action like for one person is platonic but for one person is romantic uh, and for another person oh is my sexual. god yes and it's, it's like well and that's context is everything with when it comes fair, to that like a lot of the one thing in the community that i struggle to like grapple or like wrap my head around is a lot of like when it comes to defining like um sexuality or especially like asexuality and romanticism a lot of people mm. say it's about attraction not action so somebody mm. like can be a romantic but still choose to date or like can be asexual but still choose to have sex um, mm -hmm. just because mm -hmm. they want to, even though they're not experiencing those attractions. Yeah, but for, sure. me with for me with aromanticism, a lot of it is also like actually like the repulsion and the aversion to like the action. Gotcha. And that's part of my experience of what defines like, and that makes me like, understand what my own identity is so a lot of times when people say um um it's about attraction not action I'm like definition wise sure but then I'm like oh then then what does make me aromantic like to me and then I'm like mm, I don't align with that that like you know that like everybody puts on the poster attraction doesn't equal action and I'm like that's for me but like, yeah but for some is... people it does yes yeah and that's the the when we get in the weeds with things that are sort of blankets because right now I'm thinking of hearts not parts you know mm -hmm. what I mean remember yes. when that was like yes. really big yes. for a while yes. and everyone was like that's what pansexuality is and that's how it's different from bisexuality and then some pansexual people were like hold up hold up hold up <laughs> not for us but like and some Sometimes we kind of fall in like, love. Hold with... up, hold up, hold up. Not that is me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I'm still yeah, 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 exactly. So I do think that sometimes, and again, this is all you, 
universal all people, but I do think the queer community, especially, sometimes we fall in love with a really catchy slogan or like finite way of describing something. And then we yeah. sort of like blast it out there and like our memes and our logos and yeah. all that. And it's still a generalization at the end of oh, the day. Yeah. It's, it definitely is, because honestly, I know, especially with aromanticism, like all we want so badly is to be understood by like the 99% of the population that like cannot imagine a life without like romantic attraction and like basing your life off of like who you're into or whatever. So like all we want is to be conceptually understood because we're such a minority, but then sometimes like we like water down our like I guess complexity in order to be like palatable and understandable to like people who are on this like completely different plane and then I think that does water down a lot of nuance of like the like spectrum of it which is why also like the weeks like the aromantic spectrum awareness week specifically refers to the spectrum oh my god yes I like I so it's so funny because it almost feels like an opposite though it's though it's not but like the that's so much how I feel about polyamory where I'm like because I'm polyamorous and I'm like uh and which oh my god talk about something that is defined differently from person to person and like and like relationship to relationship and like it is so such a like tailored word depending on who you're talking to um tailored term and like a lot of terms within it are too um because it's not just like one structure or one definition or whatever um but it's the desire is for it is for people to understand so that it is easier to exist this way because if people understand that there are other options besides what they have been taught should be right? Like the kind of relationship structure that should be the kind of feelings that you should have and for whom you should have them, you know, like to me, it would be so much, I would have had a much easier time of it and still have an easier time of it if there wasn't the expectation that like, and all of life being built on like the idea of a couple, you know, and all of that. So Mm -hmm. like, but, Mm -hmm. but in terms of trying to get people to understand it, like you talk to five different polyamorous people and they're all going to have different experiences and different Mm -hmm. ways in which it works for them. And so it do, do lose a lot of nuance in trying to be understood. So, yeah. 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 And so yeah. can I ask you, because this is a question that comes up a lot, I think, when people who are not asexual or aromantic are trying to to understand it. And I think you're such a great person to ask because you were saying that you do fall on the on the repulsion side mm-hmm. of the mm-hmm. of the spectrum. But a lot of people are like, OK, I'm confused about people who identify as queer but aromantic and asexual because doesn't that like contradict itself or conversely folks who identify as straight, but aromantic and asexual. And I'm wondering if you can speak to that a little, cause we have had people ask that and I'm not going to try to explain sure, it. Sure. Um, I guess, um, you know, a lot of times like the ASPEC, which is like the umbrella term for aromantic and asexual community um, definitely considers different forms of attraction as like independent like obviously then like they intertwine to form like your unique identity but there is a separation between romantic attraction and sexual attraction so 
if say somebody identifies as female and is like um say they're they don't experience sexual attraction to anyone but only experience romantic attraction to males then they sometimes might still choose to identify as straight because like their Uh romantic attraction to the quote-unquote opposite gender um is still like straight aligned um Mm -hmm. so some people like from that perspective don't feel like they want to or need to identify like with the queer community whereas say like other people even if they are like say again they're female romantically attracted to males but are asexual like they feel like that part of their identity shapes their like worldview in like a queer way oh gotcha um, okay that's cool yeah yeah and therefore they still like um uh, because of that absence or like queer experience of sexual attraction still relate to queerness um I think for me being both um arrow and ace I like extremely relate to queerness like sometimes I'm like there can't be anything okay it's not a, I know it's not a hierarchy but like I sometimes I think to myself there almost can't be anything like more queer than that because you're literally like defi- defying yeah. like every single like societal it. norm about relationships whereas like I know I, I guess I have like a myriad of like different queer friends like across identities that like behave and experience their identities in different ways but some people you can tell that like um they see like their view on relationships is exactly the same but rather like than being a girl into guys or a girl into girls but like their structure of like what they envision a relationship Uh is exactly the same but just like with a different gender um but then like some people like I know when I'm talking to like my arrow friends from online like we have such like fight the system views on like relationship (laughs) hierarchy and um like what like relationships and connections mean and then I'm like I feel like there's nothing that could make me feel more queer than that like it okay um, totally and that's why I think I like so so strongly like that label aside to like um aside like actually saying like you know being arrow and ace are like the descriptors of my particular experience but then like I just feel like my worldview because of those identities is just like super queer and defined like all the the heteronorms Mm -hmm. um so yeah it's just like I don't know like for me um if I tell people I'm a, a lot of times like colloquially that I'm aromantic and asexual everyone focuses on asexuality because I don't know why yeah because we're obsessed with sex or the absence of sex like that's mm-hmm. what every fucking f- Ugh, yeah yeah and then but like for me it's just a fact like it doesn't affect my life at all whereas being aromantic really does shape my worldview mm-hmm. it like impacts like the like the connections i have oh my God, to, yeah. and like the like for example if i want to be really close with someone who's either like a straight guy or like a queer female um or a non-binary person then i have to like extremely like communicate okay i am really affectionate i am really like touchy and emotional and that still does not mean i'm romantically attracted to you i'm sorry but like so it's like i have to sort of like from that perspective um it is something that like shapes my connections and my mindset and um like the way I walk through daily life and therefore is so much more like fundamental to me mm-hmm. and then like yeah I by theoretical definition I'm also asexual but like that doesn't 
shape my life in any yep. way. It's just a fact. No, this all, sure. this all oh, makes so much sense. Very and, well and, explained. Yeah, 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 yeah. Going back to like what I said at the beginning, I, I, it makes complete sense to me why people, why the arrow thing is much more elusive to people. I've actually met some like aromantic people who aren't necessarily like fully sexual and they've, they're the opposite. They think like, that like figuring out their sexuality like sexual identity is so much more complex than figuring out their romantic identity and mm -hmm. that blew my mind because like for me i i was like as soon as i heard of asexuality i'm like check and then as soon as i heard <laughs> aromantic i like had a crisis about it i'm like oh i have so much to work through like think about oh, so then okay that perfectly leads in actually to like yeah. your story basically so when when did you kind of come to the realization yeah or even hear no, the words because a lot of people the words, you know exactly aromanticism like, when, is not yeah. a word most people know. yeah yeah um i keep trying to think about this so first of all um i think it's it always like warms my heart extremely when young people have like super young like 12 11 year olds <laughs> have words for their identities because I guess for me my parents were a bit weird with technology like I didn't have a phone until I went to university um so that was like a little um like obviously the online space is a lot easier to discover your identity mm -hmm. so I was like 17 like pushing I guess yeah I was 17 probably halfway through 17 when someone for the first time said the word asexuality to me and like but then because like you know how I said like my sexuality doesn't really matter that much to me like when somebody said that I was just like sure like that's not gonna I don't really care to look into it because what they defined it as I knew wouldn't really impact my life at that time then I literally, if my life depended on it, cannot remember when I first saw the word aromantic, but it was yeah. something like Google mess. I was studying for the MCAT at the time. Like this was ha like I was discovering myself. It was like <sighs> MCAT crisis in the morning, identity crisis at night. <laughs> um, but yeah, That's so all a lot I, of vocabulary, you know, like it yeah. makes sense. <laughs> I'm looking up this thing. Why not this? You know? Yeah. So, um, so I remember at some point in that process, like I discovered the word and then mm. it was like, I was um, in December, this was in my, I guess the first time, if you want the story, I ever like officially, like before I'm like, if I guess starting in that period of time, like for a few months, if people like asked me anything, I'd be like, yeah, I kind of like, no, I'm like not really straight. Like I've, I'm 20. I've never been into a guy, but like, I don't know what I am. Do I really care? Not really. Mm -hmm. um, it only impacts me because other people think it should. Like, otherwise, yes. I'm being totally fine walking through life being nothing, yeah. you know, like just existing and vibing. But like, everybody else is like, why don't you experience crushes? Why don't you want this? Why? Don't... Yes. So I'm like, oh, I get that time to find a label for it. So from then, I started getting. I'm like a zero or a hundred person about everything. 
So I was no longer zero, which meant I had to go a hundred. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I hear you. I always struggled to put anything but work first. Like an act like academics has always always come first for me. So I like the only way I, I understood myself that I would mm. give myself space to think about my identity was to like turn it into an academic person oh yeah i think that's very um, relatable but yeah so like right away i like looked up my you know my undergrad university's like queer public health lab mm. and i was like there was nothing about sexuality on here and then so i emailed like the lead of the team i'm like can i like just write something for your website and then like she became like she replied to me oh my god yes we actually have like a phd student doing an asexuality research project we just don't like haven't updated our website in like a billion years and yeah sure you can write something for our website and then like so yeah so i started doing that and then i like she encouraged me to apply for like a like a grant type of thing to do like four months of like officially being on the team and then like I got that grant so I did a review on like so that's where my literature review on asexual competent practices in healthcare came from I finally third journal I attempted to publish with they said with review with like edits, I'll probably be published. Oh, yeah, that's incredible. And you're so young to be published, almost published. So I Holy started crap. that in like May 2021. And then then I guess like at that point, I got like myself knee deep in, I got a grant to do a, a review, literature review on this. There's no way I'm talking. I can't not think about my identity anymore. And I like locked myself <laughs> in exactly the way I wanted that. <laughs> my only way to convince myself to give myself space for anything is to make it academic. And I like really went a lot that it ended up going a lot farther than I expected. So you literally got a grant. That's hysterical. You got a grant to understand your own identity, basically. <laughs> oh, hey, y'all. You've heard me brag for a while now about how I, a person who used to be scared to use my own oven, learned how to cook like a real live adult during lockdown, and now I am as good as that guy on the bear. Now, this is all true. Uh, here's the thing, though. Even though I am now an amazing chef, it takes me a very long time to cook. It is not something that comes naturally to me. And lately my life has gotten way, way, way more busy and I do not have the time to devote to cooking like I used to. That is why I am so deeply excited about the pod's new sponsor. They came along exactly when I needed them. I am talking about Factor. Let me tell you a little bit about Factor. Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. You will have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie-smart, vegan and veggie, and more. And... There's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. Y'all, do you understand how amazing it is 
to have a microwave meal that that tastes like I spent hours cooking it, but it comes pre-prepared. One of my favorites that Factor sent me was roasted garlic butter salmon with celery root cauliflower mash and Parmesan broccoli. And it just came like that. I didn't have to cook it. Y'all, what are you waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. Here's some facts. Factor they make two-minute meals. Fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. They also do snacks, smoothies, and more. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Sign up and save, y'all. Factor has done the math. They are less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Factor is the perfect solution if you are looking for fast, upscale options done easily. They're also flexible for your schedule. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. We are talking no prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat, so there is no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. What more do you need to hear, y'all? Head to factormeals.com slash comingoutpod50 and use code comingoutpod50 to get 50% off. That's code comingoutpod50 at factormeals.com slash comingoutpod50. Get 50% off! Bye. And so do you, this is interesting because we spoke to uh, Yasmin Benoit on the podcast and she was right, it was the day, in fact, that she launched uh, a project with Stonewall UK all about asexuality. Yeah, which I'm sure you know about just within the medical industry and like the bias that asexual folks encounter when they go for medical care and all that stuff. And is this something that like, you're interested in that you think you're going to keep sort of working on and pursuing because it doesn't seem to get a lot of attention or focus. I did like, so I did a literature review for now. Um, So I like reviewed all the existing literature and then compiled like what will hopefully be published soon because my deadline (laughs) to submit the next version is March 12th. So uh, like, so we hope this will actually happen soon. (laughs) But yeah, I've um, gathered basically like all the existing literature and wrote like a comprehensive, it's like it's not that long but pretty long um about like all the existing like barriers to care for asexual people trying to access health care um and also like how providers can improve health care um I honestly um I'm involved in like I'm on the Australian Medical Student Association queer representative group We we call ourselves like AMSA queer or QAMSA, if I refer to that. Um, so I do foresee this as like work I'll continue to advocate for. I'm not sure about research because I'm not like hardcore research person. I much prefer like directly, like say volunteering or working with patients as opposed to data and numbers. I do foresee continuing advocacy, but again, I don't know how sustainable research is for me just as like a personality thing, which is why when like kind of when my mom was like, you can do a PhD in Canada and not have to go to Australia. I'm like, 
I'd rather die than do a PhD thing. <laughs> oh, we have that in no. common. Totally understand Advocacy that. is a beautiful way to serve the community yes. and have, make so forward I'll progress. Like, I, I don't know about research, but definitely like this is something I'll continue advocacy work for. But mm-hmm. we'll see about research as we go along. Yeah. So question, only because, yeah, your mom just came up. Um, so your your family, your parents, you're not out to them. Okay. Um, I feel like I did hazard an explanation to my mom because. Um, there, my parents are older, like they had me at an age where most people no longer would have kids. So they did that. So they, my mom especially was like extremely worried about, you know, like she's going to be gone sooner yeah. than like other people my age. When you're going to be alone. 20 years later than most people have kids. Mm. So she always like, we used to go for like, you know, little mental health walks during the pandemic. Like we'd always do that together. And, like, it would get to the point where, like, she'd always talk about, like, I really hope you find someone, blah, 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 because she was just so, it wasn't, like, super, like, I get, it was literally from the point of concern, because of my family. No, that's how all parents are. Oh, my gosh, yes. Um, And so, so I, like, finally, one day, like, it got to the point where it was stressing me out so much that I was literally, like, Mm -hmm. throwing up, of like, with stress. And so I finally just, like, explained to her, but, like, I, I just... I, I chose one word and I chose asexual and like I yeah. just basically explained it to her as everything because I wasn't in the mood for like a dictionary like and no. her reaction it was it like she was fine with it but her reaction was don't ever tell anyone you're different because like <sighs> I, I guess I just always grew up where I didn't have a lot of friends in the first place. So she was like, is very afraid that if I am so open about my differences that that'll keep happening that I'll be like more um so I literally worked from home for 20 months in a like queer public health research team without my parents knowing what I was doing in like in the house for like 20 months because her reaction was oh it's totally cool that you're whatever you are but just don't tell anyone about it this is so common with parents it's so common my, my solution was let's go do research about it let's go run an advocacy instagram about it so i am like i'm almost in a bind where like being out about the identity isn't the issue it's being out about like how i choose to present my identity that's the issue mm-hmm. um, yeah so like, this is relatable yeah like there there is a part of me that's still closeted but it's not the identity itself and that like it's really hard for me to explain that to I think more to other queer people than to straight people because they're like oh you're out and I'm like yeah but I'm still hiding so many things it's just that's really hard like I literally worked a job like full-time job so like I worked like so many hours at home over like 20 months hiding what I was doing and like every day my parents would ask me what'd you do and it would be like always like I crunched data or I like wrote a paper or I mm-hmm. like made a worksheet and never actually talking about like the importance of what I was doing what and like you, super making matter. it sound like I was an administrator yeah. as opposed to somebody doing like really meaningful work yeah. so I then I have a question though because it is it's so funny 
And, you know, I, I think part of this is like our parents didn't grow up with the internet and the ability to create community on the internet, you yeah, know? Exactly. My mom is also just extremely worried about internet safety. Like, I was mm-hmm. not allowed any kind of social media till 16. I did not have a phone till like two months shy of 18. Well, of course, if your mom is someone who's not comfortable with technology, she's going to worry more that you're going to be alone and not have friends because she doesn't realize that so many folks, that is how we're making friends and and creating our social circles now. And then even when I was going to meet my friends in person, I literally refer to them all the time as my best friends like in my life. And she was still like, be very careful when you meet sure my mom would have said the exact same thing that's a different generation that's a generational divide totally it's just yeah sure so it's not even like you can like quell her her fears about you you know being different and not having a community or not having friends or a partner or whatever it is you know with saying no i do have these things i just met them in a different way than like you yeah. met your friends because then it'll be like it'll be a way that'll freak her out in a different direction exactly. exactly 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 so yeah so that and and you know you're still young so i think the more like when she meets some people in person this will probably shift which is so true of what we say about like to a lot of our guests or what a lot of our guests have experienced with their own queerness is like when when the the parents are all scared about all this stuff you're not going to get accepted you're not going to be accepted you're going to be rejected your life is going to be harder Mm -hmm. like all these things and then Mm -hmm. it's like they introduce them to the partner and it's like oh you're not like a big scary monster you're just a human being and i see how happy you make my kid and so like it's fine you know parents (laughs) have their biggest fear is i mean not their biggest fear is that their child's life you know is going to be difficult and what feeds into that fear is that if they are different that's going to happen so any sort i mean what you stella like what you've described it's so funny because we talk about like Parents get so freaked out about having queer kids and so much of that has to do with like the idea of sex. And then it's like, here you are being like, sex is off the table and it's still terrifying to them. And that's because it's different. And at the end of the day, Mm. the thing that freaks out parents and society at large is is someone who is different and who is not Mm -hmm. following the norm. Mm And all the things that you spoke about at the beginning with, like, loving so much and, like, you know, raging against the machine, as it were, and queering the norm, like, those things that we embrace and that we find, like, empowerment from, I think our parents' generation is terrified of, quite frankly. So, yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird dichotomy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think the basic example is, like my flaming red hair that my mom sure. was also like do not dye your hair at first and then after a year she's like it looks really good on you uh-huh yes it's that's the thing is like you got to do it and then they go oh and then they see like was oh assuming. yeah <laughs> but anything yeah. that they think is going to make you stand out and draw attention mm-hmm. to you and put a spotlight on you that freaks them it's actually like exactly the same. Like I know I'm turning this back to the like original topic, but it's like Please. I feel like it's that when when I like describe my identity and other people are like, yeah, that sounds awful. Like you're not yeah. gonna have a partner. You're not gonna that, do this and that. And I'm like, I don't know. You, you know, know what sounds like fucking great? Yeah, you're like I'm doing great. A, I'm thriving. So like that. And then you know what sounds great 
is not living with the concern of what if I don't have a partner or what if my partner and I break up or divorce? Yeah, what if, what if I die out? alone, quote unquote, which we've talked about on the podcast is absolute bullshit because the chance of you and your partner dying at the same yeah. time anyway is we slim all to none. die alone, so, baby. Yeah. So it's it's this it's this whole and like and the idea that that discounts your the entire rest of your community, be that, you know, your family members, your children, your friends, like all of the people that you could surround yourself with for your entire life. You know, like it's just the the weight lifted to me. And maybe this is again because I'm queer, because I'm poly. And so I'm already like mm-hmm. my whole paradigm is very, very, very much like yeah. fucking convention that way. Mm-hmm. But like it makes complete sense to me that yeah. it would feel actually very freeing not to have those constructs, not to have yeah, to live by to, that expectation. To, uh, to some extent, I also feel a co- like it's hard to feel freeing because it comes with a whole different set of struggles sure, sure. but like I-, I definitely think like I feel great not having those ones in particular like for me it's like you know I'm dying in med school but like I'm glad to not be doing engineering because that would be yes. like so much worse nobody you know? skates by with zero struggles so yeah no, yeah. Yeah, no beans about yeah. it life is fucking hard like yeah so from so that perspective like I do a lot feel like a weight that comes with this experience sure. of yeah, this identity. Of but like I'm glad it's not that weight like the, the allos can keep their problems like <laughs> I totally get Let that. Let me ask you then to sort of like kind of put a bow on it. If there mm-hmm. was if there was something that you could sort of express to people that you feel like they 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 just yes. don't understand about I feel like I say aromanticism because that again we've talked about how that feels like more more a part of your personality and I think people mm-hmm. at least can grasp the idea of asexuality whether they believe in it or not they at least like get the concept of it I think aromanticism really throws people for a loop so if there's something that you could like I don't know impart or like a question that you get all the time where you're like I want to go on record here's my answer to this question mm-hmm. like anything you would just like to I don't know for me it's like I I I recently tried to describe it to like a new friend that I'm really close with here and like my descriptor is sort of like that I really do feel like I'm on a different like plane of world like my experiences just aren't from the framework everybody else Uh, approaches them as and like if you're trying to like conceptualize aromanticism like as someone who needs like all those like who needs a romantic like connection or relationship or feels those feelings you cannot imagine it but like for me it's not that I live like um as like an alloromantic person who's not able to access like that it's just for me I just live on a different plane where like I don't like it's not something I I feel it's not something I crave it's not something that shapes like the way I like go about life like I don't like I would never like want to learn a skill to like because it'd make me a desirable partner totally you wouldn't take a pill if there was a magic pill that could suddenly make yeah that's what people don't get you're not operating from a deficit I think that people yeah I'm not operating from a deficit perspective I'm like starting on like I'm operating on a different plane Mm -hmm. like I'm not suddenly I'm not someone that can't like that's 
on a like a lower plane trying to uh -huh. climb up to like the other plane i just like exist on a different like plane and All i together. think that's sort of how that's how like sort of i conceptualize it like i if i try to think of like being like an alloromantic person someone that does experience like romantic attraction or an allosexual person who does experience sexual attraction i can't um like sort of if I try to like imagine myself, like, I don't know, like being able to experience that and like being like, that sounds like to me, I'd be like, from my perspective, I'd be thinking that sounds like a burden. That sounds like awful. Like if like some people, a lot of people, you know, think of themselves as like, you know, marriage would be like the end goal or like uh -huh. getting a part or like having someone confess a crush to them would be like, oh my God, <laughs> someone finally likes me. For me, as an aromantic person, all those things sound awful. And like, that's how I understand that people see my world, but like, I do not, that's so, I can see it that way because that's like the norm that's yeah. always been shown. It's so reflected back to, see, to like, you constantly. But a lot of people just don't see this side that, like, yep. if you don't Ugh. want that, like, y it doesn't matter. You don't like, miss it if you don't want it. And yeah, it's not a tragedy exactly. if you don't want it to start with. I think you described it so well. But then, like, it, it, people would so easily see, like, you want to be a doctor, you want to be a photographer, you want to be like what like work in finance or whatever that's all like valid like career path but when it comes to like the like relationships yeah. like just because like 99 percent of people want one and yeah. like so few people want the other way or like feel like that's the the like the plane they're on and the perspective that guides their life sure it's so hard because it's just such a like everyone like almost everyone is this way and there's just a tiny like population that's the other way rather than like say with careers as there being like a lot mm -hmm, of different mm -hmm, options mm -hmm. then like people only like can't a, a lot of times aloe people cannot imagine that the other side is like also like a really like good happy existence of yeah, an experience and totally oh, valid sure. and, yeah. and i think like i think it really on so many levels whether we're talking <sighs> well honestly when we're talking about like any of these the conventional ways in which people approach their lives and like whether that's a relationship escalator or the structure of a family or um i mean god schooling like so many yeah, things yeah, that yeah. are these where these like expectations are set up it, it to me i just I, I sit there and i'm like you know i think we are not taught to interrogate whether those yeah. steps and those conventions yeah. are natural to us or whether yeah. we have been taught those things by nurture and if we had not grown up with any of it yep. how would we be and i do believe yeah. that queer people mm -hmm. under the entire umbrella have a much we are much more apt to mm -hmm. interrogate a whole host of things 100%. like that than than those who are heteronormative you know, it tr I truly. totally agree i totally agree with that in a lot of the advocacy i do surrounding like arrow and ace experiences with like 
health providers mm-hmm. a lot of people have said that like they've just met like i did a, an informal survey too just like i had like 80 something responses of people like sharing their experiences with health providers mm. and a common thing that occurred was a lot of people explaining that they just mentioned their identity as like a thing and then all of a sudden like that became the health provider's focus that oh my goodness that's a problem that you don't want like to be partnered or you don't want like a sexual relationship or like it was immediately like pathologized and seen as a negative and like rather than being understood as like an equally positive just different experience and I think that's like sort of why um and then obviously that like if there's a focus all of a sudden on like a problem that isn't a problem to you um, then obviously you're not getting the actual care for the problem you went in yeah, for. Yeah, no shit. I wish they would put that much attention to, hey, this thing hurts. Can oh my you, God, yes. Can you explore this as thoroughly? <laughs> like... It can't be like a pathology or a deficit. It can only be like an identity. Oh, that's, yes. So it's on that note, where can people find your advocacy page? So it's just like, um, it's just like an Instagram page. It's like arrow a spec and then underscore tacular.ca. And then I also, I hazarded making a website. It's called the ASPEC Affirming Practitioner Directory. I had people from like globally submit like health providers that they've been to that have been affirming of asexual and aromantic identity. Awesome. That's great. uh, It's like, I have the link to the website on my Instagram page. And so it's just like, it's there and... It's like, yeah, so there's a few from different countries. So um, if anyone happens to be in those like few countries that I've covered, then. And if anyone has experience with an ASPEG affirming uh, health practitioner, I would say message Stella about it on Instagram. I was going to say the same thing. Um, Well, y'all can find me and usually boring posts about my family, but. trying to make it jazzier um at nicole basent on instagram and uh i am at lauren flans on twitter lauren underscore flans on instagram we are at coming out pod on twitter and instagram our hashtags are hashtag coming out pod hashtag found ricky hey shout out to our patrons sarah wilson jim w jack kim simone adri tanya Pooh, mandy tia mix michelle forbes sammy michelle kaz carmel kieran smiley aaron mitchell vanessa hunt diego hernandez and beyond Klexa, a dot, a com. If you would like to be on that list or check out any of our tiers of, di- of giving starting at $1 a month, um, you can go to patreon.com slash coming out pod. You can also, for free, go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Give us a nice review, a five-star rating. That really helps. Or, and or, you can mm-hmm. post this very episode or directly share it with mm-hmm. somebody who you think might benefit from it. Yes. Whether, yes. Whether that's like that's someone who is arrow or whether that's somebody who like just honestly is like, huh, I wonder what that is. Just share, share away. Yeah. Do it too. Please it. do. This is something that the more people understand, the more identities, the better situation we are all Amen. in. Yeah, because <laughs> then we don't all feel like we have to live life one way and ain't that the whole Hells fucking point to the, yeah yes so stella thank, thank you again thank you stella thank, thank you so you much. much this was incredible uh, it was 
such a great conversation. So yeah. thank you both. This was Agreed. wonderful. All right, y'all. Um, happy Arrow Week. Yeah. Happy Arrow Magic Spectrum Awareness Week. Bye. Bye. <laughs>